0: My name is Chris. If I haven't met some of you right now, I'm the pastor here at Venture, and I'm so glad to see uh, so many faces here this morning. looks like uh, there might be a handful of people that are here for the first time. So if you're from, uh, from in town, you're just visiting, or you're here on vacation, just welcome, and I hope that you have a great time with us this morning. I want to start with a question this morning. Got any sports fans in the house? Let me hear you. All right, so I know we got a lot of football fans. Let's hear that. Yeah, football is like the main sport. I get that, right? And so there's football, but, you know, maybe you've been enjoying some baseball. It's baseball season right now. Maybe you enjoyed uh, that really good run at the end of the basketball season that just ended. There was a great golf tournament on this weekend. There's been tennis. It's been, the, the grandfather of all sports is coming around the corner, the Olympics, right? Anybody excited about the Olympics? I love the Olympics. I, lo- I love watching all the different sports that come on with the Olympics. And when you look at uh, sports, typically the biggest drawing factor of a sport is some big marquee name athlete, right? I mean, you've got the LeBron James and the Stephen Currys. you got Cam Newton. You know, you've got these, you've got these big names. Yeah, <laughs> just for you. Um, you got these big names, and they're the ones who make the big bucks. So they're, they're, their faces are on the posters, you know. They, they, get, they get the recognition. They sell jerseys. But I want to talk about a different person in the sports arena for just a second. It's the unsung hero of all sports. It's the official's. You ever you ever been to a game where everybody was like, "Hey, good called game, buddy," right? <laughs> right, but like no one ever really thanks the officials. But really, the, it's the rules that make a game. And what's the difference between basketball and baseball? Well, the rules. Like they say, the ball has to be this big, and there's a field that's shaped like this, right? That's the rules are what makes the game. But we never thank the officials. We never high five them because they got all the calls just right. But when do we remember to pay attention to the officials? when they get it wrong, right? And then we're like, what? Oh, get some glasses, you blind ref, right? So it's it's the officials, it's the umpires, it's the line judges, it's the people who are looking at the instant replay monitor, right? It's these people who make sure that we follow the rules. Um, And, I mean, it's hard. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be at 100,000 fans at a football arena and everybody's mad at you. NFL fans, when are we going to learn uh, what constitutes a catch? Are we sure about that? I have not, it's a big deal. This is just for some of you, but I just want to let you know that Des Bryant did catch that ball. It was two years ago, but that's how important the, the, the bad calling is to me. I mean, we got to do something to reform these officials. So here's, here's the deal, though. Uh, there's a lot of weight on these officials, and uh, as, as fans, I think we enjoy the tension because there's this moment, let's just do football, right? And it's like, is it a touchdown, right? Did he catch the ball? And in these moments, we get the extra thrill of the game. That idea of, of people uh, judging an event, is pretty big in our culture. Uh, one of the most popular phenomenons of the last decade or two has, have been these TV shows like uh, America's Got Talent and The Voice, The Late Great, The Idol. Rest in peace, Ryan Seacrest. It was a great run. Um, he's not dead. The show's just over. I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, but we let, why? Because we get to tune in, we get to watch these judges, and we really care what Harry Connick Jr. says about the singers or whatever. And then the cool thing is when, what, we get to call in and actually be judges ourselves. Like we get to vote and we get to play a part in the proceedings. Um, and, and so judging is important to us. It's important to our society. Really? I mean, isn't that how the American system works uh, in addition to the laws and, and, and uh, peacekeeping officers and all kinds of different things? They're judges, and that's an important part because it's their job to interpret the law and try to be consistent with it. And it's not always perfect, is it? But it's, it's basically good, and it's important that we have some people that are trying to come in there and take an objective lo- lo- look at the laws. and, and figure it out. It's, it's judgment, and it's an important thing. Um, and then we, the people, get to play a role in that, don't we? Anybody ever had jury duty? Right, as part, of, as part of being a part of the judge system. Even in small things, judgment is important. you gotta, you got to make a judgment call on what am I going to eat and where am I going to go today and what time am I going to go to bed? I need one more episode of this TV show on Netflix or am I going to go to bed now? How much money should I spend? All these are judgment calls that we make. And so judgment and judgment calls, they, they're central to the human experience. I want to clarify that as we get going because here's the deal. When it comes to judgment and Christianity, there seems to be a lot of gray area there. And we have a hard time trying to figure out, what does it mean to be involved in judgment? Judging people, God judging us what does the Bible say about it? Well, we're in this teaching series. We've been in it all summer long called Beautiful Contrast, and the idea is that uh, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which we can find. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in chapter 7 of the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament of the Bible. And in, uh, in the book of Matthew, it's basically a biography on the life of Jesus and his teachings. And so we've been going through chapters 5, 6, and 7 all summer long, and we're almost done this week and then One more week. Next week will be the last week of our teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And we will have uh, read or taught through everything that Jesus said through that whole long sermon that he gave. And uh, as we get to the beginning of chapter 7, what Jesus is talking about is that idea of judging people. And so we're going to just kind of like... Suspend judgment on the whole idea, and let's take a look at what Jesus has to say about it. And uh, so, if you've got your Bible, grab it. We've got free ones underneath your seats in here. If you didn't bring one with you, uh, I just want you to know you can have that Bible that's under the seat. Um, If you need one, take it home with you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6, but I just want to start with what might be one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Okay, just it'll be on the screen here. Let's look at this. The first one it says this Jesus says, Do not judge. Or you too will be judged. And we're gonna read the rest of the passage, but I wanna do a quick pause here. Matthew 7 1 may just be the most misquoted verse in the entire Bible. It is said all the time. You've heard it, you've heard people say it. People say, You're not supposed to judge people. The Bible says, Don't judge people. Jesus himself said in the Bible, Don't judge people. And then I've seen uh, t-shirts, bumper stickers, even a few tattoos that say, only God can judge me. Right? What's the the indication there? If only God can judge me, who can't judge me? Everyone else. That's not a possibility. Well, there it is, guys. It's in the Bible. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. It is in there, and that's what it says. But that's not all that it says. It's really important when we read the Bible, or especially pretend like we understand the Bible, to have actually read the context of what something was written in, And see what all it does say. So we're going to keep reading. It says this, don't judge or you too will be judged. Now let's look at verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Jesus is about to say a lot more, but I want to pause there because there's actually some in this that we can really get into. Jesus is about to say uh, more about how we judge and how we interact with each other. But when Jesus says the word judge, what does he mean? Well, you know, a simple dictionary look will tell you something about the word judge. And as I kind of studied the word, getting ready for this, there's kind of a a spectrum of meaning. And if we're going to swing the pendulum one way or the other, uh, on one side, kind of the more lenient side, uh, the definition of judging is to analyze and evaluate. To analyze and evaluate. Is Jesus telling us not to analyze or evaluate? Well, probably not. That's probably not a good thing. To do it, it's an important skill to be able to analyze and evaluate. People, uh, when, you, when you see a person, you need to be able to analyze and evaluate them to see if they're a person I need to spend time with. Is it going to be dangerous? Is it going to be good for me? Is it going to be bad for me? Right? This is, this is basic. My wife and I, we had to spend a long time analyzing and evaluating each other before we decided we wanted to be married. Right? That's, that's how life works, it's how relationships work. And so when Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged, I don't think he's saying that we should run through life without ever making. These most important judgments about people, I think we could probably agree with that, right? And, and, and there's scripture to back that up. The Bible is full of teachings that tell us who sh- we should allow to influence us and the types of people we should be with and spend the most time with and things like that. So that's one end of the spectrum. If we swing the pen- pendulum, it says, you know, analyzing and evaluating. If you were to spe- swing the pendulum the other way to the other end of what does the word judge mean, uh, you, you could say this, that judgment is to condemn or punish that certainly is a lot more harsh, right, to condemn or punish. It even sounds like something that you shouldn't do. But it's certainly something that's necessary sometimes, punishment. Let's just look at the Bible as, a, as an example. The, the Bible teaches parents that we should analyze and evaluate the behavior of our children and that we should discipline or punish them if need be, right? There's, God gives leniency to the government to have authority to punish crime, all through the Bible, we see leaders punishing people and certain things happening, and, and there are certain things that should be condemned. Shouldn't, shouldn't acts like the things that happened recently, the shooting in Orlando and Dallas, I mean, those are condemnable acts. So when you, w- would Jesus say that we shouldn't condemn those acts? Well, I don't think so. That's not what I see in the Bible from him. So you swing the pendulum, analyze, or evaluate? Sure, we should do that. You swing the pendulum the other way, should we condemn or punish? Occasionally. So what does Jesus mean when he says... Don't judge or you too will be judged. Well, this is really where it helps to read your Bible. It really, really helps. to instead of just taking hearsay or something that you heard your grandma you know, had needle pointed on something and put on the wall, Like instead of just hearing those things and applying them as if you know it, it's important for us to read the words of the Bible and see what Jesus actually says here. So let's just keep reading. In verse 3, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust? In your brother's eye, and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Let let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck. From your brother's eye. I love right here, this is where Jesus, he starts cracking jokes. I don't know if you see Jesus cracking jokes, but when I read some of his teaching, he gets this great sarcasm going sometimes that it's just like resonates right, that's my zone. And I talk to my kids like this all the time, I was like, wait, okay, you have a plank in your eye, son. You know, it's like, I can hear me saying that to my son, leave your sister's eyeball alone until you get the plank out of your own eye. And my son, like, I don't have a plank. It's a metaphor, Okay. <laughs> Uh, the Greek word for plank there could be translated roofing beam. Okay, Jesus isn't talking about like a little dowel rod here. He's, I mean, he's just making an extreme exaggeration to say, listen, you got problems of your own. So, so why don't you get out of that guy's face or that lady's face and deal with your own issues before you start trying to help others with their issues. Uh, if you've ever flown on an airplane, they give you that little speech. You know, the flight attendant gets at the front and they teach you how to buckle your seatbelt because you've been living in a cave and you don't know how to buckle your seatbelt. They show you where the exits are. And then they say, what? If, if in the event of an emergency, these oxygen masks are going to fall from the overhead compartment, and it, they say you should attach and affix your oxygen mask onto your face first before you go help someone else. Why? Well, because you, you're not going to be very much helped to anyone else if you can't breathe. And it's the same basic concept that. Uh, that Jesus is saying about judging people. You can't really help anybody else unless you're aware of your faults and your failures and your weaknesses and your temptations. Deal with that before you go poking around somebody else's eye. Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. And he's talking about the type of judgment that we use. I was looking through and thinking through and talking through with some friends over the last couple weeks about judging people. I'm like, what? What type of judgment is wrong? Like, okay, I think we would all agree, too, that there are some types of judging people that's wrong. And we just said a second ago, there are some types that apparently are good and helpful. I- I've identified four. I think there may be more. I'm no genius. But I, I want to show you the four that i see, And I hope maybe that you'll agree. You can, we can definitely talk about it later. Here's, here's uh, the first one. Uh, superficial judgment superficial judgment is wrong that's judging the book by its cover it's looking at someone and making a complete surface level treatment of someone without even trying to understand who they are or where they're coming from or why they're doing what they're doing or wearing what they're wearing or being where they're being this is seeing that someone is a trump supporter or a hillary supporter or that they have a, a rainbow flag on their car or a confederate flag on their porch and all of a sudden i know them yeah i know your type right that's superficial you don't know them you don't know what they've gone through. You don't know why they make the choices that they make. It's superficial, and it's wrong. It's, it's wrong. There's no reason to judge someone that way. Here, here's another one that I, that I think is wrong, a hypocritical judgment. This is the pot calling the kettle black. You know, uh, it, it's like, I, I'm talking trash about my coworker because she's always late when dude. Chris, you're always late too. <laughs> what are you talking about her? And, and maybe I'm just trying to cover up for my lateness because I want to draw attention to her. And, and there's a lot of examples, but you know what hypocrisy is. It's when you, you know, it's when it's the pot calling the cuddle black. I'm just as guilty as you are, so let's not bring this up right now. Maybe there's another road we should take. Uh, it's hypocritical and it's wrong. Here's a third type of judgment that I think is wrong. Uh, I couldn't think of a cool one-worded thing, so it's, it's harsh, unforgiving judgment. This is when you see someone. Maybe you disagree with them. Maybe you even know that they're wrong. But my way of dealing with them is to berate them, to belittle them, to mistreat them. Harsh, unforgiving judgment. And It's wrong. The Bible tells us that you know that that we should be people that are gentle in our speech and kind and compassionate and loving and forgiving. And so, even if someone is wrong, that doesn't give us the right to. Be wrong to them. It's wrong. And so that's, that's three types of judgment that I think are, are not okay. And here's a fourth one. This is the biggest, I think, for me, is untrue judgment. Untrue judgment. There's a lot of this going on right now. This, our culture thrives on it. We get a very little bit of information, and then we turn it into a 24-hour news circuit. And suddenly there are people being, their whole lives are ruined because there was false information, misinformation, partial information, and, uh, you know, I see it on Facebook all the time. People are like, did you hear this? And it's like just a headline. I didn't even read the article. just wanted to post it, and all of a sudden something blows up, and it's, it's untrue judgment. You know, God says that it is a sin to slander. It is a sin to bear false witness or false testimony. That's illegal. You can't do that. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. And so it's easy to be guilty for this, even accidentally, when we make a big, firm judgment and we only know part of the details. It's important to know that what we believe is true before we begin to move forward with our reaction. It's untrue judgment and it's wrong. And there might be more than these four, but these are four that when Jesus is saying, listen, do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be judged superficially. I don't want to be judged hypocritically. In fact, I would much rather someone come to me and say, listen, dude, I have done what you're doing, okay? (laughs) And they'll own up to their own issues and say, and I want to learn from their mistakes. I would rather that than to be judged untruly. Like, get to know me, please. Understand who I am. Than to be judged harsh and unforgivingly. And so, in the same way that you judge others, you would be judged. You dish it out, be prepared to take it. It's how life works, and that's where Jesus is going with this. Um, that approach doesn't work for everyone, though. It doesn't. Uh, I think so many of us kind of just look through a one-way mirror and like, or whatever that <laughs> illustration is. and It's like, I can only look at your life. I can't see my life. I don't know what's going on with that. And so Jesus kind of, I think he gets that. And so he's got one more verse that we're going to read in verse 6, and then we'll explain it. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may be trampled under their feet and, and turned to tear you to pieces. Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience here, and so uh, they totally got this to Jews, uh, dogs, pigs. They were uh, unclean animals, and so they were very careful about not doing sacred things with and around and for and to these animals because it would make the sacred thing unsacred, and Jesus is kind of using this again as another metaphor. He says, listen, you're not going to throw your, your, your jewelry out to some pigs, because what's a pearl to a pig? Just another rock, right? They don't get it. So maybe you come to someone and you've got a genuine desire to help them. And maybe you have dealt with the plank in your own eye. And you're really, but you really want to help them. And you want to help them get the speck out of their own eye. Or maybe they've got more than a speck in their eye. Maybe they have a plank too. You see sin in their life or you see something that's going to pull them away from God. You see something that's going to maybe even hurt them and mess them up. But they just don't see things the way that you see it. They don't agree with you. This is about someone trying to live for God, someone who's trying to live for God, making judgment about someone who's not trying to live for God. Christians, we're pretty bad at this sometimes. We go to someone and we're like, you know, you should have believed just like I do. And so, since you should believe the way that I do, I think I have every right to come down on you and beat you in the head with a Bible. And really, Jesus says, look, don't do that. Don't do that. They're not going to rep- appreciate it. They don't care. I mean, they've got their own set of, of ideals and their own set of reasons that they do their things. There's another place to start. Why don't you start by setting an example with your life? And there's more we're going to get into that with that in just a minute. But there's more, there's more to do than just come down on people because you feel like you could probably get a speck out of their eye. So he uses an example of pigs and dogs. And honestly, if, if I'm the pig or the dog, I'm a little bit offended. <laughs> you can call me a pig. But this is Jesus just saying, look, it's a metaphor. They're not going to get it. They're not going to appreciate it the way that you do. Try a different tactic. Now, judging is a part of life, isn't it? It's got to be done, but it's got to be done God's way. And so for the rest of our time together, what I want to do is learn how to treat people by seeing how God treats people in the Bible. How does he move forward and how does he judge? God is the judge, right? Um, That's kind of the idea of Christianity, is that God has a way he wants us to live And if we don't live that way, there is some judgment that comes from that, and there's separation from God. Uh, If you read through the Bible, especially the Old Testament, you'll see that God uh, has these leaders, teachers, prophets, uh, sometimes kings. And over and over again, they've got this message to the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And they say, basically, you have sinned against God, and he's really angry about that, and he's going to punish you. Okay, okay. This is how God deals out judgment. But I want you to notice another thing. You can, read, you can read all the stories in the Old Testament. I really try to think through so many of them this week as I was about to make this bold statement. Please let me know if you find something that doesn't go along with this. But I think, I think that it's pretty solid. That anytime God is about to issue judgment, he also offers one other thing. When God issues judgment, he also offers an opportunity for grace. There's always a way back to God, at least throughout history. Now, there comes a time where God says, your opportunity for grace has passed. Luckily, we're still living in that time right now. But what, we can, what can we learn about judging people from watching how God judges people? That any time there's judgment that has to come from us, and it happens, that there's always an opportunity for grace. Too often we get into the habit of making judgment about other people and we make the mistake of withholding the most important part of God's judgment grace. The opportunity to be changed, to be rebuilt, to be reclaimed, to go from being where you were wrong to being where you're now right. And where do we find that grace? Like me and you. I mean, where, where do we find the strength? Because, gotta be honest, sometimes grace is hard to come by. You ever had that family member, that friend, that neighbor, like, dude, you have run out of grace. Get off my porch. You know what I mean? And and that time comes sometimes. Where do we find the strength? Where do we find the the reservoir for that grace? I think that's what Jesus is talking about. I think the grace happens, for me at least, when I start to work on this plank in my own eye. Because when I realize how screwed up I am, It's a lot easier for me to be patient with somebody else's screw-ups. Judgment doesn't need to be issued without an opportunity for grace. When I have the opportunity to remove this plank out of my eye, what I remember is that God's given me the opportunity for grace. God said, Chris, you messed up. Get that plank out of your eye. (laughs) I took that out already. Why did you put it back? (laughs) I don't know if you know this, uh, if you're new to church today, if this is your first time, maybe you're new to church in general, like you just haven't been before and your friend brought you or whatever, uh, or maybe it's been a while. I want to make sure that this is this is made clear to you that God will forgive you if you come to him. The message of the church is not a message of judgment, it's actually a message for the opportunity for grace. Isn't that, those of you guys who've done church for a while, isn't that the message of Jesus? I mean, because we'd be done. <laughs> Otherwise, hey, guess what? We're all screwed up. Let's go home. and think we can beat the crowd to lunch. <laughs> I mean, we've established this. The opportunity for grace is huge. Here at, at uh, our church family, we call that being grace-shaped. We want to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. And it's our three-part goal that we want to live out every day of our life. And that grace-shaped thing is so huge. Because so many things in our life shape us, and God says, I don't want you to be shaped by your past. I don't want you to be shaped by your failures. Sure, that's going to affect who you are, but let me shape you with my grace, with my love, with my forgiveness. From this point on, let's work on a new life together. And not only does removing that plank from your own eye let you draw closer to God because you recognize his grace. This is what happens. It also lets you draw closer to other people who need your help. I'm in, accountability, I'm in an accountability group uh, with some guys. And I love that we are very transparent with each other. We can talk about our failures, our, our hurts, and our hangups. And, uh, and we're letting God use that to heal us. And as I'm working on this plank in my own eye, and we're drawing closer to God, it's, I'm able to see more clearly, and I can help my guys out. And they do the same thing for me. And they call me out on it. And here's the cool thing. In that place of grace, we look around at each other like, dude, you look stupid with that plank in your eye. But I appreciate your input. I appreciate that you're trying to help me. What has helped you so far? This is what's helped me so far. And there's give and there's take. And that's where grace happens. And planks start falling out all over the place. Jesus says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. And people stop there. See, Jesus said don't judge people. No, then he said, so then you can see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. I want to tell you something. If you are a believer in Jesus today, if you're a Christian, you, not only do you have permission, but you have a mandate from God to judge each other. But not in a condemning way, in a way full of grace, in a way that I can go to you and say, bro, look, uh, are you sure this is the way you want to do this? Right? People have come to me and done that so many times. And then have been so graceful, they've allowed me to speak into their lives. Jesus says, look, when you get that plank out of your eye, you see so much more clearly. And you can take a step in to remove the speck from your brother or your sister's eye. What if we had a filter then? Because, I mean, don't judge. Okay, don't judge or do judge. I'm a little confused now, right? I'm playing the devil's advocate. You get what I'm saying. It's hard to decide. So what if we had a filter so that we could decide How to judge. And and I thought through this a lot, and I think this is maybe a good filter. Here's a filter. Does this judgment serve to restore someone, or does it just tear them down? What if I asked myself that question? Every time I spoke against someone, every time I've been so aware of this since I've been working on this talk, like driving through my neighborhood, like, you do this. Pay attention. You do this. If you don't, I'm just a really bad person. But I do it. And I'm driving around, and I see someone, all of a sudden, like, I make up this life story for them. Oh, Yeah. Bet you didn't go to college. <laughs> you know? Like, maybe not that harsh. But, you know, you, 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 see, you, you see people and you immediately, like, they remind you of somebody. Or they look like someone. Or the way that they're dressed. And all these things. And they pull all these things. And, and you make a judgment. What if this was my filter before I said or thought a word? What if I said, does this judgment serve to restore someone? Or does it just tear them down? Suddenly, what I just said about you going to college really is like, dang, that's just kind of, I'm a jerk. Like, why would I say that? But instead... Oh, dude lives in my neighborhood. We should get together sometime. Maybe he likes wings. I like wings. We could have wings together. Who knows, we might be best friends. Suddenly everything changes. The apostle Paul um talks about this. The Apostle Paul was a great guy. He traveled the world, starting churches, and he was the first missionary to, to leave the Jewish world and go into the non-Jewish world to start talking about Jesus. And you can imagine, there were many times as Paul walked through these places, these people, uh, they, they, they worshipped demons. They practiced temple prostitution as a way of worship. They did child sacrifices, crazy, crazy stuff. Believe it or not, these crazy things that were involved in these cultures. And it would have been really easy for Paul to walk in and be like, broken, 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 broken. All right, let's move on. This whole place is broken. But that wouldn't have got the message of Jesus very far. He talks about this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And I'm just going to read one sentence. You can read the whole chapter. It's really good. Galatians 6, 1 says this. It'll be on the screen. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. That's our mandate. Is there a time of, you know, someone gets caught in a really bad sin and they just maybe need to step away for a minute? Probably. But before they step away for a minute... It's important that someone from their family, their, their spiritual family, from their church family, speaks to them and says, listen, I want, I want you to work through this. Like, I'm here for you. And maybe you need to step away. Maybe you need to have some healing, but you don't need to do it alone. I want to help restore you gently. I want to play a part in that. Re- read the rest of that chapter in Galatians chapter 6. It's really good. You see, God is a God of judgment. But his judgment always comes with an opportunity for grace. And he uses the church, his people, is a conduit for that grace from cover to cover in the whole Bible. Every time you see God's judgment, you also see him offering an opportunity for restoration. God doesn't just give out grace so that we can like keep on sinning more. <laughs> he gives out grace so that we can be restored, so we can be forgiven, and so that we can move forward with him. So it's important to hold one another accountable like this. We live in a world where the reigning ideology is something called tolerance. Tolerance. And I'm a fan of tolerance in terms of patience, in terms of kindness. But um, what wor- the world teaches today is that everyone should be allowed to do whatever they want to do regardless. And there is no absolute truth. And don't butt in on my life. And, and, and I don't know that that is God's plan. I'm, I'm sure that it's not. There's an author named John Burke. Uh, John Burke wrote a a book. Which book was this from? Can you put that quote up there? The next line. Oh, No Perfect People Allowed. He's got a bunch of really good books. Uh, This is what he says. He says, tolerance is a cheap substitute for grace. Let me explain that. Tolerance is a cheap substitute for grace. Tolerance says, I see that you're wrong, and that's okay. Or you could even say, I see that you're wrong, and I don't care. Not like, I don't care, I'm mean, but I don't care. It's fine with me. Grace says... I see that you're wrong, but I want to help you be right. And I don't know about you, but that resonates with me. I get the idea of being accepting of people. I get the idea of being kind. I get the idea of reaching out a hand of love. But if you genuinely believe that something is pulling someone away from God, why would we tolerate that? Why would we instead not go, hmm, okay, I just, this is what's happening in my life. Can I show you what God's done in my life? And would you be patient enough to listen to me? And they they might not jump on board with that. But tell you what, they'll still be your friend. And they won't be like, that person's a Christian, and they're just like every Christian that I've ever met. Or they're just what I thought Christians were, judgmental. (laughs) Judgment should never be given without an opportunity for grace. People are hungry for grace. A chance to be made right. I think most of us want to do the right thing. And we're kind of seeking that. It's a chance to be restored. The reality is the ultimate judgment is still coming, like from God. It's a true thing. God, God has an ultimate judgment coming for us. God has a day in mind when all of this is done. And he's going to move on with eternity, whatever his plans for that are. And he's going to judge each one of us. He's not going to judge us based on how tolerant we were. He's going to judge us based on how well we knew Jesus. That's, that's, that's what he told us. God's opportunity for grace and restoration for us is now, right now. Today, tomorrow if we're lucky, next week if we're lucky. And Jesus says, regardless of what you've done, I've got grace for you. Grace, I've heard this said so many times, it's beautiful. Grace is where God's, uh, let me say this again. Grace is where our greatest need and God's greatest gift collide. Grace is where our greatest need and God's greatest gift collide. It's an opportunity to be restored and be made okay with God. There are times when judgment's necessary, but God's way isn't about shaming people. It's about restoring people through Jesus. Uh, Jesus used sawdust and planks. I, I want to use another visual as we kind of go to wrap up today. I, I've got some things up here. The first one is this. You recognize this? Hello. It's a magnifying glass. I used to play with these when I was a kid. I used to love it. Um, actually, who am I fooling? I got this this week, and I've been playing with it since I got it. Um, but it's really cool. Uh, my granddad had one in his drawer, and uh, I remember I used to um, go to his desk, and I'd, like, I'd just blow up his desk calendar and be like, yeah, today's the fifth. I can see that really well. You got an appointment today. You know, it's fun. And they're fun. You can start fires with them. I don't recommend that. Um, they're really cool. Um, here's the thing. A lot of us live life with a magnifying glass in our hand. And we walk around, and and we just walk around looking into other people's life like this. We're looking for flaws. We're looking for their problems. And uh, actually, I guess we do it with good qualities, too. When we see our friends, we're like, man, my friends could do no wrong. <laughs> you know, we're all for them. And then our, and the, our enemies, they can, do, they can do no right. Uh, we do it with individuals. We do it with groups of people. Uh, this past week at the, um, at the memorial service for the, the officers who gave their lives in Dallas, uh, there were a lot of speeches, and I didn't get to watch all of them, but I did see a clip of what uh, former President George Bush said there. And it uh, doesn't matter what you think about any former president. Sometimes they all say good things. This was really solid. He said this. Too often, we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions. You hear that? Too often, we judge other groups by their worst examples. We're walking around with this magnifying glass, and we judge ourselves by our best intentions. It's the magnifying glass. We're digging around other people's lives. We're looking for their problems, and we ignore our own failure. And it leads to judgment, and it leads to gossip, and it leads to a mess, and it's wrong but we're good at it. But what Jesus says is we need to throw out the magnifying glass. And then we need to pick up a mirror. (laughs) There's a plank in my eye. What if instead of walking around looking into other people's lives, we walk around and we say, listen, I'm trying to follow Jesus. What does that look like in my life? How am I doing on that? Jesus says, pull the plank out, man, and while you're holding onto that, it's crazy looking. <laughs> it's crazy looking. Keep that plank. It's crazy looking, and I'll hold onto it for you. And, and while I'm holding onto it, Jesus is holding the planks out of our eyes. He says, Look at your life, evaluate yourself, grow. And so, what is it for you? What is the plank in your eye? What is the thing that's your struggle? Is it your attitude? You got anger issues? You got an addiction issue? Is there something you just can't live without that's just keeping you from the holy life that God really wants you to live? How's your speech? What comes out of your mouth? how much of it is trash and filth, and how much of it is righteous. And all these things are, impact how we interact with God. Get out a mirror, not a magnifying glass, and look at our own selves and saying, how can I possibly take one step closer to God today? How can I begin to purify myself? It's easier for us to use a magnifying glass. It's easy to point at the other people's marriage problems. And ignore the fact that I've got marriage problems, and i am just rather just talk about other people's marriage problems. It's easier uh, for, for you see someone else's poor parenting over here, their problem, but you see over here you've got terrible financial management, but apparently that's not a big a deal to you, and you just, you, you just kind of reckon this gift that God's given you. What is it that's going on in your life? And with the mirror in our hands, we can see that. And the cool thing is if we begin to surround ourselves with other people with the same mindset, and they got mirrors in their hands too. They're not looking at you with a magnifying glass, but they can look at themselves, they can look at you and be like, hmm, looks like you've got the same issues I got. <laughs> we should work on this together. That's the community of the church. That's how you become a grace shaped person. As I look at this, I learn about my greatest need that I can't do this by myself. Because as I look at the plank in my own eye, I realize that it's just stuck in there way too far. And God's given us some amazing tools for that. And the most amazing tool that he's given us is his grace. Jesus said, come to me. Bring me all your burdens. Bring me all your sin. Bring me all your problems. Come to me, and I will give you rest. He said, then you, you take my yoke on you. My teachings, my understanding, my philosophy, my life, you take that on you and you carry that, I'll carry the heavy stuff. And you know what else he's given us other than himself? He's given us each other. And we can go to each other and we can say, listen, I I need help with this. I'm struggling. I got an addiction I need help with. I got something going on with my marriage I got help with. I, I got something going on with my finances I need help with. I got questions about God. I'm just confused right now. I got questions about myself, my identity, my personality. I don't know. I'm just... Can you help me? And God's given us each other. The real solution is that we set our eyes on Jesus. The purpose of taking the plank out of my eye and the sawdust out of my eye is not so that I can go on and do what I want to do, but so that I can put my eyes clearly on what Jesus has planned for me. And then we can run a race that he's got marked out for us. And we can begin to live as a beautiful contrast in this world shining light in dark places, bringing grace and restoration to people who thought they may never see it. So, be careful how you judge others. You're not the judge. Your role, and my role, is to lead people to the grace and the restoration of Jesus. Uh, I want to pray. Let's pray. God, your grace is good, and... uh, like the Bible verse says, it, it is sufficient. Um, there are times when I just feel like I need more. I need more help. I need more clarity. I need more discernment, whatever, more opportunities. But, man, it, your grace is enough, and I pray that I can live in that space and, and be restored in that space every day. I pray for my brothers and sisters, my family right here in this room, that we can be here for each other. We can put down the magnifying glasses and pull out the planks or whatever the metaphor Um And then we can just begin to see who we are, people who need your grace, people who need your love, people who need your restoration, people who need each other. Thank you for this time that we have each week to settle in and focus and listen. And thank you for the beautiful contrast that Jesus gives us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.